everyone. Welcome to Timeline Scavengers, the podcast specifically designed to last forever. My name is James Anderson, and I'm one of your hosts. And I'm Colin Parker. On this show, we're going through the MCU, scene by scene in historical order, or sometimes even day by day. Another changing the lyrics to God. Yeah. Sometimes they sing verse two instead of verse one. You're like, okay, well, get it right. You've got a fucking screen with the lyrics on it, so you don't forget (laughs) the lyrics to a song that's only cuss words. But anyway. They didn't have the screen up. They did. Do you not see that? That was really funny I only saw the the clip of all the small things, and then I turned it off because of the... Because of the tempo, I was like, okay, well, I'll just put the songs on when they were playlist. When they were setting up, yeah, uh, to go, uh, uh, Tom posted a photo of the board that has like the lyrics and stuff like that in front of them, uh, yeah, like the little the little monitor, and it did just have the uh, family reunion song on it, and I was like, do you need that? Do you need that one though, bud? Like. Could you not just put family reunion just like as the only word on it, just to be like, this is the song that you're playing? Like, it's right. come on. C- can you do it? Can you do it, Tom? <laughs> Start naming cuss words, but in a rhythm. Good. Right. You got it. You got, you got it. it. That's good. Also, maybe pick up the tempo a little bit. No. Uh, listen, if you can't tell, by the way, from this uh, <laughs> intro, folks, Blink 2 is back, baby, and about 15 clicks slower than you were used to, but they're back. <laughs> I, uh, I like to think that. Uh, a running gag on Timeline Scavengers is uh, we'll have just been talking about Blink-182 before we started recording, and so we're still in the space of talking about Blink-182, but we're working our show into it. Because we did definitely did that when they announced they were back. Mm-hmm, we I think did. I told you about this. We talked for 10, 15 minutes on the show, and I was like, what the fuck are mm-hmm. we talking about? We sure did. Yeah. It's very funny to me because tomorrow's episode also kind of has that. Like, it's not about Blink Way 2, but tomorrow, sorry, tomorrow being the day after we record this, which is uh, Sunday, April 16th. So on the uh, April 17th episode, you'll hear us bringing mm-hmm. into the show a conversation that happened before the show, which is yeah. uh, something that I think is very funny to me in the moment. And every time yeah. I edit, I go, why do we do this? This is actually yeah. terrible for me specifically, but also probably for the audience. But anyway, I hope that's a part of our charm. Uh, James, yeah. we're not yeah. talking, this is not a Blink-182 podcast, though. That you, yeah. If you wanted that, you would go to uh, Blink and you'll miss it. That's um, right, where which, we talk a lot less. <laughs> that's actually uh, so true. Uh, same topic, more, but I edit more. Yeah. Uh, yeah, actually, we, we do need to conserve today? oxygen here, uh, Colin. Ooh. So I'm just going to get going uh, on what we have to talk about here. So okay. uh, this is part two of a four-part series that we're in the middle of, of uh, October 9th, 1983. It's the big culmination day. So a whole bunch of stuff happens all within the same like couple of hours. That's why we're taking four episodes to really get into because a lot of stuff happens. Anyways, you're going to start watching That's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> season seven. Episode 10, you're going to start at 39.59, and you're going to go to the end of the show. Then you're going to start Season 7, Episode 11, and watch till 30 minutes and 45 seconds. And it's really important that you trust me on these times, because I have done this work. I've Colin and I have had meetings. It's going to seem like I'm popping you back into Season 7, Episode 11 in the middle of something, but trust me, it works out. Just listen to this synopsis. It'll be fine. So you're going to stop Season 7, Episode 11 at 30 minutes and 45 seconds. Then you're going to jump on over to Season 7, Episode 13. You're going to start at 10 minutes and 3 seconds, and you're going to end at 10 minutes and 12 seconds. Then you're going to jump back over to Season 7, Episode 11, and start at 32 minutes and 58 seconds and go to the end of the episode. Trust me on those times. Let's get into what happens. Uh, Colin, I don't know. I guess every now and again, I'll stop and see if you have any any comments that you want to say. Maybe every like four or so paragraphs. Ready? Okay. Here we go. As Garrett celebrates his new superpowers and spaceships stokedly, I made up that word and I'm very happy about it. Stokedly, Nathaniel goes back to talk to Gemma. He says that Sybil has told him that in every timeline they lose, it's because of Fitz. 
He tells Gemma that Fitz has gotten in their way long enough, and now Gemma is going to take them to him. Daisy, May, and Susa are watching the Zephyr on the satellite tracker when suddenly it's gone. They conclude that the Zephyr has moved above the satellite and into space. Elena radios in to request permission to land. Daisy, May, and Susa walk down to the hangar. Daisy wants to confront Korra to tell her what Nathaniel did to Jaying, but May says that Korra isn't stable enough to handle that kind of news. Susa wonders, if Korra's a bomb, what will happen when she explodes? And Daisy says that she won't make the same mistake that she did with Nathaniel, meaning she's going to kill Korra before Korra can kill them if it comes to that. Coulson, Elena, and Mac lead the prisoners and Korra down the hall from the hangar. Daisy immediately quakes Korra to the wall and demands to know where Simmons has been taken. Mac orders her to release Korra. Korra says that she's there to save, help save lives, that she wants to be an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Colin, that's the first five paragraphs. What do you, Any thoughts or shall we keep going? Um, yeah, just, just one simple thought, which yeah, is that, like, sure. to be very clear, I think that the actress who plays Cora, whose name is escaping me at this exact Diane same. Doan. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think she's a fine actress. You know what I mean? To be very clear. Yeah, sure. I like, though, that Cora, as a person, is a bad actress. Yes. Because I yes. feel like that's one of the cool things to me about acting. It's like, how do I say this? It's like playing a character that doesn't know how to get into another character. Right. Is very fun and funny to me and interesting. Yes. But like also when she's like, I want to be an agent of, she like, I don't know how to say it. I can't, I can't, don't even know if I can do this exact. Yeah. But like wait, the way that like this is effectively the way it's presented, like I would like to be an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., it is, right. She sounds more robotic than the Chronicoms, you know? Right. Like, the way she says it and, like, with this, like, weird little side smile kind of thing, it's like, surely not a single person is believing this. You know, it's like, right. like does she believe that, like, they're, she's getting away with it? Or, like, what? you know, it's right. interesting to know. The one thing I would never figured out like, is, is, is she like, yeah, they believe me. Hell yeah. And now I've got an yeah. advantage. Or is she just like... I'm going to say it that they're all going to be too smart for it, but whatever I'll say it just because that'll they'll be forced to give me the benefit of the doubt. But right. Yeah. I, I think, I think it's fun to, to, to think of it and fun, I guess is, is the word I'd use. It's like, Hey Colin, uh, can I borrow 50 bucks? Yeah. What for? I need it for school. And you're like, no, I don't think you need it for school. <laughs> okay. Well, so you don't want to give me 50 bucks that I need to use for school. But I don't think you're gonna use it for school. I'm telling you, I will. Right. Yeah, but I don't think that you're going to. Well, so I'm a liar. Like, you right, you say exactly. the lie that no no one, even you, is believing, but you just stick to it. It's like, is it like, re, is that reverse gaslighting? Where it's like, no, it's just gaslighting. It's just that's just plain old. That's normal original flavor gaslighting. Where you're like, I'm not lying. What? Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything exactly. about your body language and the way you're talking and what makes sense for who you are as a person means that you are lying. Why are you saying that you're not? Anyways. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, never mind. It's fine. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. All right. Nathaniel and his crew are flying through space above earth in the Zephyr. Nathaniel makes a point for the crew not to call him sir, because that's the kind of thing he's trying to get rid of. Hang on to that for later. He has, I'm guessing the communication person send the signal. We don't know what the signal is. We'll also find out that later, too. He says it's safe to do that without fear of S.H.I.E.L.D. tracking them because they're all alone up there. Deke is up there, too. He is scrabbling around the ship like a rat who has suddenly gained sentience and is worried about their grandmother rat who has been taken hostage. Wait, I have a question. Are rats not sentient? <laughs> I don't know. What does sentience mean? Like, do rats have feelings and thoughts? I mean, they sure. They certainly... Mm. They definitely know about like how to solve. They can feel shit. pain. Well, but is that instinct or is that like when a rat runs off a, a sinking boat? Is that them trying to just survive, or are they like, "Holy crap, the boat's sinking"? We just watched Titanic this weekend, so to me, like that's a little bit of like a I'm not sure where to go. It's like I, like that's I think to me that's more about panic than yeah being not sentient. I think like I think you could make all sorts of mistakes if you're panicked. All right, you know. hold on one second. This is this is important. 
Are we looking at the definition of sentient? Sentience, yeah, exactly. Because um, to me, it's like, I feel like a rat clearly knows that it's alive and that it's something. You know what I mean? That, that well, it's... does it, though? I mean, right, hold on. Sen- hold on. Sentience is the capacity of a being to experience feelings and sensations. So clearly rats can experience pain. Because, yeah. yeah, they react to it whenever. Lab rats. Right. But my thing is, like, I don't think babies know they're alive. I think knowing you're alive is actually a, a a much bigger philosophical brain leap than than maybe. I mean, but I also think that like okay, think of it also like this. Like I feel like a rat, while it doesn't have a huge brain, it's also comparative to the size of it, right? Sure. So, I feel like they must know they're alive because like that's where your instincts on how to stay alive probably come from. You know what I'm saying? But like a baby doesn't know hmm. because a baby's not fully developed. I would say that the instincts don't come from the instincts to stay alive don't come from a, no, a knowledge that you are alive, but rather a, an instinct to breed and propagate the species. But is that not recognizing? But that's not like I rat named Samuel, me Sammy the rat, <laughs> am alive, and I would like to stay that way because I love the experiences I have eating shit. Who do we know uh, that I don't would know, know what this? What are rats eating? <laughs> who do we know that would know this? Like who who do we know that is like a rat scientist, I, basically? I think this is I mean, uh, let's see, biologists, biologists. Hey, let's put the call out. Uh hey, biologist listeners, uh, let us know. He realizes that he is in a situation that is remarkably similar to that of Die Hard. Unfortunately, Hans Gruber and his henchmen didn't have teleportation abilities, and John Garrett does, so Deke is captured. I said, unfortunately, Hans Gruber and his henchmen didn't have teleportation abilities, and that feels weird, like I'm rooting for Hans Gruber and his henchmen. Like, ah, uh, dang, mm. I wish they'd had teleportation. Because then they really could have gotten that John McClane Right, they're right, exactly. Right. Um, but I guess what I mean is, unfortunately, f- for Deke, he would have been better in the Die Hard situation than he is in now. Um, I'm sorry, I think I moved on from the rat thing too quickly. Did, 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 I, did you... Are we good? Okay. Okay. I don't think I have any other thoughts. I I was kind of mostly just being like, what is sentience anyway? But right. I don't know. Exactly. I don't, I don't. I really don't know. Yeah, it's sensation it comes from sentience and sensation. I think you may have turned me around a little bit on on sentience. Just like, do rats have sentience? Maybe. Hmm. Maybe because they can certainly feel sensations. Anyway, because I imagine they give a rat's ass. They they try not to though, because that's a that's a key part of survival. And sometimes me not giving a rat's ass is a key part of my survival too, Colin. They go, I don't give a bee's ass. And they're like, what does that mean? They're like, so, someone smaller than me. And you're like, okay. <laughs> bee's asses are our currency. Um, <laughs> Mac assigns Elena the task of finding Fitz's specs for containing a teleporter. Gordon, which they used for Gordon in the future, in the past. Time is weird. While she watches over the prisoners. They discuss how Sybil has been guessing their every move, but that they don't buy Cora's story about wanting to be a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent for one second. Meanwhile, Cora is making her case for being a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. She says that she and her group want to reduce suffering as much as possible, to which Mac and Daisy scoff. She says that Mac's remembering his parents from growing up means that they are in a different timeline altogether. Daisy mutters that they have much more definitive proof of that, because Jaying died before Daisy was born in this time. Right. Cora claims to have a list of 30 people that are known communists. No, hold on. Sorry, sorry, hold on. Cora claims to have a list of 30 people that they could kill right now to save thousands of lives. Coulson points out that this is exactly Project Insight, he says, with a, 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 a pretty bow on it. Daisy asks to speak to Cora alone, and everyone agrees to let that happen. Cora says that she's always wanted to always wanted a sibling and she wants to work together with Daisy because even though Nathaniel thinks of S.H.I.E.L.D. as a controlling, oppressive organization, Cora thinks Daisy must believe in it for a reason. She wants to work together in part because Sybil has said that there is no future where Daisy lets her sister fight alone. Daisy says that Sybil was correct and then leaves the room. So what's going on there? Let's find out. Uh, Colin, checking back in with you. What's up? What's going on? I like that because for Cora... Right. Again, whether or not she thinks she's getting somewhere, it this, this is where it's tough, right? Where it's like, at all points, you're kind of like, does she really think she's going to become an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Or right. does she think she's going to do this? 
But I think that you can have complicated feelings and and you know, and on yeah. one hand be like, oh, I'm going to really get these guys. But also yeah. like that is my sister and like I am kind of curious about her and like what happens. Because I don't care about the rest, but like Sybil says this about her and she seems like yeah. she's a good person. Yeah. So right. I think that there's this aspect of all of that. But I think that like it's fun because like in her mind, she's like, she says, I won't have to fight without my sister. Right. And like, and she's like, you know, like little hearts around the head yeah. of emoji. And uh, Daisy's like, yeah, you won't fight alone because you'll be dead. And like, it's like skull <laughs> head and like right. the, the spinny eye emoji kind of thing. It's like, yeah. ooh, you're getting to the same point in different ways. Like that, uh, you know, remember that meme of Wednesday and the uh, Enid from the show Wednesday where it's like all black on Wednesday side and like rainbow like unicorn on the other side. Yeah. It's like them. Yes, exactly. But um, just, yeah, exactly. But it's like, I don't have to fight alone. You don't have to fight alone. <laughs> or you won't have to fight alone or whatever, however you want to yeah. word it. You're like, um, <laughs> wait, what? You know. <laughs> where are you going? Um, I'm alone here. Hello. Um, I think that it's funny to like, not funny, but I think there's some, you raise an interesting point about Korra's allegiances because like, we're like, okay, so she's obviously part of Nathaniel's plan. She's here to betray. She's here to trick. She's whatever. But you can, like, you're right. Diane Doan is a very good actress because you can see her sort of being like, yeah, I'm going to trick you. But what if you're not? No, I'm tricking you. I'm so tricking you. But you kind of seem cool. No, no, no. We're tricking. It's cool. We're tricking. We're cool. I think that's like the, the what's the word for it? I don't want to say benefit because that sounds like a really weird word to use. But like, I think that's the benefit of someone that is a kind of like tortured soul being in a story like this. Like yeah. the idea of like, yes, I am fully convinced by this evil thing. Right. Uh, but also, I mean like, okay, actually, truth be told, Star Wars 7, right? With uh-huh. Ben Solo slash Kyle Ren. Uh-huh. Uh, speaking to Han Solo. Right. The way he is standing there in front of him, talking to him about like, you know, he can still sense the light in himself. And so he feels the conflict and he's like, I know what I need to do, but I don't know if I have the strength to do it. Yeah. And the thing that's great about that line is, is you go, is he talking about going back to the, to the light, to the side of the light? Yeah. Or is he saying that he recognizes that what he needs to do is kill his father? Right. And yeah. that's where, you know, in Han Solo's case, that's where like specificity of language is so important as a parent because you want to encourage your kids. You want to say, I believe in you. You can do whatever you want. You you know, you have the power inside you. We have to say, unless you're talking about killing me, in which case I don't think you can do it. And I think that you should probably give up right now. You have to really be very specific about like where you encourage them. Like you can be whatever you want unless it's a dictator. I also, <laughs> I also think that like there's... Mm. But I don't, know, I don't want to get into it too much because we could maybe make another drop back to that conversation later. So I'll, okay. I'll move on from there. Well, yeah, in your episode, which is basically Star Wars, um, <laughs> I mean, you're a little short for space. a deke. It does take a uh, t- uh, place in it, space at you know on a spaceship yeah, that has just a fired a big Wars, laser yeah. down and destroyed a big facility. Like <laughs> it is basically like. Agents of space fights. Yeah. <laughs> We're part of Disney now. We can do this. Okay, here we go. Okay, actually, though, if they, if when they leave at one point, if they had done the, like, 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 the, <laughs> like that would have been sick, actually. That would have been great. That would have been tight. Tie it all together. Um, mm, good job. Thank you. You also said tight right at the same yeah. time, which is also that same joke. Anyways. Um, Nathaniel scans through Gemma's memories of Fitz looking for a clue to his location. He's frustrated that he can't find the memory he's looking for, and Gemma refuses to tell him, so he has Deke brought in. Uh, I don't remember if it's here or elsewhere, but Nathaniel says something at some point in this episode or the next one uh, about, like, I guess I'm just not used to not getting what I want. And I think that's a really clear-eyed, like, brats don't usually understand why they're being assholes but he's like i guess i'm just used to getting what i want i'm like all right well at least you're self-aware i mean like (laughs) you're still evil but at least you know what's going on you're not like i'm right he's like no i just want to do what's what i want to do 
Daisy takes Susa to the Quinjet up to space in defiance of Sybil's projections. Susa would never leave his post, and the Quinjet isn't great in space, so Sybil won't have predicted that that course of action. And Daisy, quote-unquote, would never leave Cora, but Daisy says she already has a sister to save, Gemma Simmons. It's really sweet. That's a nice moment, yeah. Yeah. She starts powering up the Quinjet, explaining that the plan is to locate the Zephyr, aim for it, burn the rest of the fuel that they didn't use getting to space, and then hope for the best. Suddenly, Mac is there, asking how Daisy intends to open the hangar doors without his authorization, but Mac unpredictably agrees to this plan and enters his authorization. Also, he knows how to fly the Quinjet, so that's a bonus. Hey, can I just say? Yeah. Them going after one of their dearest, closest friends. Pretty predictable. I would argue is (laughs) maybe the most predictable thing. Right, yeah. And, And in fact, if I may, then calling out how it's unpredictable is also even more predictable. Going, yeah, re- I'm going to be unpredictable. But the unpredictable thing is if they went, okay, let's see what happens. Yeah. They'd be right. like, well, holy shit, wait, we actually can't see the future. What the fuck is happening? Right? Like, <laughs> do that. Do that. Yeah. But, yeah. Figuring out to act unpredictably is is pretty predictable too. So like, you know. But then you get into the conundrum of like, we know that they're going to try and act unpredictably, so we can predict that. But how are they going to act unpredictably? Well, I was also thinking of like, it's it's how you get all those monologues in every TV show and movie. They're like, um, so I'm going to do this because he wouldn't expect that. But he would know that I would know that he wouldn't expect that. So he would counteract it by doing this. But surely I know that he would think of these things. So I'm going to then do this. But of course, he would know that I would always be trying to think at least two steps ahead. So he would do that. And then you're just like, You're stalling. <laughs> you don't brain. know which one the poison is in. Yeah. Oh, that's where you're wrong. I know exactly where it's been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that, or even when he's like, uh, when he's like, You're stalling. It's like, you know, you, it's like, Am I? I was like, Or like when he's on the bed, you know? Yeah. And like he can't even move from like the neck yeah. down. But he's like, he's like, or am I just being very patient with you, making sure that you know, when I do get up, I'll cut you to pieces and end your life or whatever. Like the way he says that, like just so convincingly. And he's like, yeah, huh, he's right. What if he does stand up? You know, <laughs> to the death. No, to the pain. Okay. Coulson and May watch the Quinjet go into space on the satellite. They watch it on the satellite readout. They aren't on the satellite. They watch it from the command center on the line, in the lighthouse. Wouldn't you and think talk that's briefly, kind of predictable? That they watch it. Yeah, yeah. Go, that they watch it. Yeah, I think you're right. And talk briefly about the unpredictability strategy. Then they talk about how they need to figure out what Cora's up to. Coulson suggests that May try to ascertain Cora's intentions with her empathetic, her empathic powers. Nathaniel, after having tried beating the crap out of Deke to no avail, I believe actually he has John Garrett beat the crap out of him yeah. to no avail, but having tried someone beating the crap out of Deke to no avail, <laughs> threatens to break Gemma's neck with his quake powers if Deke doesn't tell him why he can't access that memory. Suddenly he sees the block, the block glowing through Gemma's skin and no longer needing Deke to give him the information, blasts him up against the bulkhead, knocking him out. Nathaniel says that that says that that was for his father. Then he orders his crew to find a way to get the block out of her head. Susa is awestruck by the vastness of space as Daisy and Mac perform the calculations for the controlled burn. Knowing that missing the Zephyr means a death by freezing to death in the darkness of space, they hit the button to begin the burn. May goes into the room where Korra is being held. I believe it's the director's office, actually, but I could be wrong. I think in previous seasons when they actually like lived in the lighthouse, that was where Mac's office was, but I might be wrong about that. May says she wants to get to know Cora better, but Cora says she already knows all about May being the cavalry and what happened in Bahrain, which she presumably saw with Sybil. We'll get there, but not for a while. It's going to be sometime around the end of next year. I did look that up and do some calculations to see when we get to Bahrain. It's going to be... Less than three years away, for Hang sure. On. I'm checking the time stream. Oh. Mm, but there's at least two where we don't get there by then. Oh, interesting. Oh. I, I probably shouldn't have had that uh, old milk. All right. Because um, if I die. Yeah, that's, that's one mur- of the... Oh, okay. So you went for... You died. 
I thought maybe you just got very sick for a little bit. Oh, like maybe. Pushed us back a little bit. Yeah, there you go. Hmm. The murder of Lee is brought up. Cora says that she was being confined, and May says that she was out of control. Cora demonstrates her control by using her powers to knock out the power in the lighthouse. The firewall is down, so Sybil can upload herself into the lighthouse. Oh. And this is where I'm like, okay, so that was the plan. Yeah. That, that was yeah. the plan the whole time. Of course. May is reading the creepy messages that Sybil is sending. May is reading the creepy messages that Sybil is sending out loud when Coulson asks her sassily to stop. And then I wrote a new verb, uh, sasks. Mm. When you ask something sassily, you sask it. We'll, we'll, we'll write to Webster later. And then she asks him if he can read the rest of the code since he was once code himself. He says he doesn't think so, but then it looks like maybe he can. As the Quinjet floats towards the Zephyr, Max shuts down all the systems except life support and gravity. He says that they should conserve oxygen. Instead, Daisy decides to talk with him about a couple of things because yep. fuck conserving oxygen. They discuss this being the team's last mission together and also Sousa and Daisy's relationship development. Nathaniel is still having a temper tantrum about finding Fitz. He decides that he will go into Gemma's memories with her to try and find it himself. Colin, checking back in with you. How are we doing? Yes. Okay. Uh, I wanted to point something out. Um, I think is very interesting about one of the scenes that we've discussed just now. Yes. That whether intentionally or not, at least in terms of our podcast, kind of accidentally harkens back to some similarities of characters Uh that we have discussed. Okay. Uh, The moment where Sousa sort of, you know, looks at at the expanse of space. Yeah. um, And is chilling. Think about how often we've talked about how how similar to Captain America he is. Yeah. Right? And like and all, and that lifestyle and everything like that. And how just like Captain America, he makes it to the twenty twenties era. Yep. Technically. Granted, he has gone back in time to nineteen eighty three, but like it, again, it's a really weird it's a really weird time is weird yeah. type situation. Like unless he dies, he'll way. make it back to the twenty twenties. Right. Yeah. I was gonna say uh, we're working our way back towards like the quote unquote current day. Right. Um, in which case, you know, he's in the 2020 crew, but you get what I'm saying. Right. Um, no, but like still, they didn't do the exact shot, and I kind of wish they did. I really yeah. wish that we had gotten the same shot that we got from Endgame of, of, yeah. uh, of I keep going to say Tony. No, it's not Tony. Steve, seeing space, like especially like as they like enter space and like go warp speed kind of thing. Yeah, like just that that image of his eye and his face and stuff like that in that moment. Yeah. Doing that with him would be pretty good. Absolutely, it um, would cement those Captain America comparisons, right? Um, especially yeah. since they're now both, you know, like fully whatever. I don't know. I don't know what the word for it is, but like you know, he's running around now without a limp. So right, you know, gotcha. he's he's now capable of you know. Potentially carrying a shield and doing stuff, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Hey, if you want to, uh, I was going to make an advertisement for uh, annual number two, but. Oh, no, actually, no, you're, you're right, though. I, I was going to point out, point that out to you. I was, I was going to say that, like, when I, when I said earlier, like, kind of perfect for our show, it was also because yeah. of that. The fact that we did kind of a Captain America spinoff character in a way yeah. of Sousa. So, yeah, yeah, definitely listen to the annual. It's in our Patreon patreon.com slash the scavengers network yeah totally um listen to a dm have a chokehold on the characters um we'll get it right the third year it's gonna be great the third year it's gonna be great i'm gonna i'm gonna average the two uh experiences anyways here we go may comes back from checking on the power to find colson looking for the communication files sybil is looking for he says he can get bits and pieces of what the code says. He's trying to slow Sybil down, but only Cora can force Sybil out of the system. May says that he's due for a Coulson talk, but Coulson says that that's May's responsibility now. May says to give a Coulson talk, and Coulson's like, "Well, I mean, no, but like May's like, I think I'd call it a May talk." Coulson's like, "You're misunderstanding what I'm saying." And May's like, <laughs> "Again, his dialogue continues to be so goddamn good." Uh, he is often written, by the way, in my head. He is yeah. often written as if he was written by you. I think that 
Yeah. So much of his dialogue to me is just James Anderson. I, I appreciate that. That's very lovely. Uh, in that particular case, listener, that was literally me writing that dialogue because that didn't happen in the show. Um, it could have, though. Could have. If they needed to pad some time with uh, weird extended right. Sorry. Uh, what conversations. I, what I should be clear about is, as I'm saying, the dialogue of that scene and like the interaction was right. Is yeah. is is very good, but also feels yeah. very. I know the no. I think I you know like that. Yeah. I know. I know. I know okay. a James editorial. Yeah. When, when yeah. There's a James yeah, yeah. editorial. Yeah. Yeah. But like just like the concept of the in general when I say the dialogue, not mean yeah. just that line. Talking about the whole yeah. scene. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I still, I, I thank you very, very much. He's hit a level of sass specifically in the last like three or four episodes that has been yeah. hitherto unseen with Coulson. And Coulson had some sass to begin with. Yes, he did. Yes, you know? he did. There's yeah. something about coming out of the v- VHS box or VHS yeah. tape or whatever. Well, he's like a product of the 80s. And I do mean the word product there. Yeah, literally, um, yeah. So <laughs> hmm. uh, <clears throat> Sybil gets into the system and shuts off the locks on the cell doors of the prisoners. Elena is oblivious as they sneak out because she, but as they sneak out, but she becomes aware of them with plenty of time to take them both to the flight control area. Cora comes out of her cell and she and Coulson talk. He says she needs to accept that they are trying to restore the original timeline. She kills Durant, uh, the guy who has the knife, Lee's knife ability. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the original timeline, he had died, and then she says, now they're a little closer to it. Uh, it's like a quick demonstration of what she's talking about with the list of 30, uh, and it's just as horrifying as you think it would be. They talk about the list that Cora has. Elena wants to know who the first person on the list is, and Cora volunteers the name Grant Ward, who is someone that we haven't talked about but will. Colson talks about how they saw a world where Grant was good. That Cora can be good too, but Cora says that this is the path for her, and one day she's going to make her mom proud. I'll remind the audience right now that uh, Jiaying is super dead, and May realizes that now is the time to let Cora know about Jiaying's death. Colin, before we get to um, my favorite scene of this episode, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about about uh, any of those scenes? Just trying to rack my brain real quick to see if there's anything. Sure. I don't think so. I think. I mean, I think we've kind of covered it. I mean. There's a lot to talk about in all of these, yeah. but like I don't yeah. think I necessarily. There's nothing that to me is like, yeah, this one thing was really sticking out. You know, I, I think sure. that I've sure. said my stuff as we went. Absolutely. Okay, here we go. Mac and Susa have the cutest scene where they also don't conserve oxygen. Mm-hmm. Mac asks Susa what his intentions for Daisy are. He tells Susa what Daisy is like when she gets something into her head. He does that, like if you hurt her, we'll kill you thing. And then he tells Sousa about how Daisy's code name is Quake and they laugh so hard, it's truly lovely. It is Colin, really come back and come back to you right right away. Uh, yeah. This scene. No, I, mean. I, I love this scene a lot. Uh, it's very interesting and very funny to me because like, you know, Sousa is brought in and he becomes, you know, kind of part of the team. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like this is, okay, this is such a fascinating moment to me, right? And like this, I mean, rather him being there is is such a fascinating moment to me because it does kind of end up being the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Sousa. Right. Like special guest star Sousa. And it's funny to me that like in a way it's like we're a family. You're the in-law. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) he, and that's really what he is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because Everyone does kind of treat it like the if you fuck this up, we'll kill you. You know, and yeah. Susa's like, I mean, I'm okay. I like, there's no I normally don't like for the, Sousa, you know. Yeah, I, I normally don't don't really uh, hold much truck with you know whatever you do to her, I'll do to you. Sort of like you know whatever, which is actually, and I want to walk that back. That's a don't have sex with my daughter. And Deke or uh, Mac is basically saying, uh, don't hurt my sister. And if you do, uh, we'll kill you. And I normally sort of am like, okay, whatever. But when when Max says, not just me, yeah, oh, yeah. everyone on the team. <laughs> it is, but it's also great because I, I I feel like as Sousa, that's also a great moment to to also recognize and realize I am not on the team. You know, like <laughs> you know, you've been. I mean, granted, you haven't been there for a long amount of time, but like for a brief moment, you're kind of like. Mm. Yeah. Okay, I did kind of think I was fitting in. Did think I was maybe joining. 
Hmm. Now, I think that in this, uh, uh, in your episode, the next episode, I think that I would consider Sousa as having joined the team. I yes. think when he hits that certain button, yes, oh for sure, he becomes he becomes a part of the team. I think I mm, here okay, he he's a part of the team, but again, it's still kind of as an in law. But like now, it's an in law that's yeah. accepted. Like you, you, you know, know, as a boyfriend, when you go to meet their parents for the first time and like their family yeah. for the first time, or or really in a way, this mission is like the first time you go on like a family vacation with your significant yeah. other. Right, you know what I mean? Because you're yeah. re- now you really have to prove that you're all about that family and that life, you know. Because yeah. I don't want to reveal anything, but like there is a scene later where I'm like, "But Susa's not there." Yeah. Damn, y'all really y'all y'all let him on the team, but y'all really said, "No, nah, listen, you're <laughs> part of Agents of Shield, but you're not part of the Agents of Shield." You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, they're like, "He's still SSR, baby." You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what they yeah. Done. Um, the uh, the drummer for Newfound Glory joined Newfound Glory like two years after the band was started, mm-hmm. and so that and but that was of course in 1997 or something. But they still think of him as like the new guy, and I think that that's really funny. And I like to think that Seuss is similar. It's like I don't care how long you're here and how many adventures we go on or whatever, you are the new guy. <laughs> you're, you're the new one, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but like. It's also interesting because, like, she's had other partners, too. Yeah. And maybe it's because they all weren't necessarily as tight as they are by now because, you know, they have so many years of, you know, experiences together and stuff, you know. But, like, I'm just thinking about how, like, Lincoln definitely did not get this level of scrutiny, I think. Right. Oops, right. sorry. That's a name that – sorry. Spoiler. That They do mention Lincoln in this – they have already if you're watching along with home right they've already mentioned lincoln in passing it totally counts yes um i missed something i don't remember when it happens but uh a line that i have for sure texted you about more than once happens in this series of scenes where they're like we need to go there and we need to save Gemma," and max like and deke and and daisy's like sure yes <laughs> Like to me, like again, it, I know I bring it up, I've brought, brought up at least once by now, but like it just makes me think of their table read of the final episode where they're like, yeah. Deke, and they're like, Ugh, Deke. And he goes, it, Fondly, it says fondly. You know, like they remember him fondly. Like it's so funny to me that, like, again, they clearly all like him as an actor and as a person, but like they all, as people, feel the same way about the character of Deke as we all feel. Well, sorry, that I feel about the character of Deke. Yeah. Which I think is very funny you know yeah just the way yeah just the concept also of like her being like i am saving my friend and they're like and deke and she's like if something happens though yeah it's kind of like if someone needs to be sacrificed for the good of the of the group yeah it can be deke and it's like why would you say that it's an interesting yeah what a weird what a weird yeah interesting concept Uh, there daisy i uh during your episode, they call that back, and maybe that the that both of those lines call are in your episode, and I apologize if they are, and if they are, cut it. But like, cut cut this or whatever. But like later, he's like, and me, and she's like, sure. I'm like, right. wow, to his face. I, I like, mean, <laughs> listen. I think the other thing is by now she doesn't feel bad about letting him down because she's got her you know her new guy yeah. to Mac on. She's like, yeah. sorry to 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 kiss. I shouldn't say Mac on because that's yeah. probably conflicting for him. Her like, her Busa Susa. Yeah, yeah. Is that something? Is that I anything? don't know if that's anything. That's what Jar Jar would call them. Oh, you Ooh, Misa Busa Busa Susa. Susa. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Feels Misa right Malaki, me. Busa Susa. And he's like, oh, what is this lizard gentleman? He's, like, he's gotta he's gotta stop. Uh, um it's like you don't right. like you, Jar Jar Bings. Something yeah. something tells me I just shouldn't like you. All right. Something tells me that I should blame you for some of the downfall of the prequels, but also recognize that you, the actor that plays you, is a fully realized person that he deserved much better treatment than what he got from from fans. Hopefully there's some comeuppance in casting later. All right. So Nathaniel continues to look through Gemma's memories. Uh, he stumbles on one of them talking about taking time to live. He wants to see the home they built. Where, while they were taking this time. That's the part that happens in Season 7, Episode 13. We'll talk about it mm-hmm. when we get there in 
a couple of episodes. Cora and May go down to the morgue. Cora tries to get Jaying to heal. Cora tries to get Jaying to heal by giving her some of her energy to no avail. May explains that Jaying died protecting Daisy from Nathaniel. Nathaniel finds himself in a memory that is only like half a memory. It's in a white space. It's out of context. But it's about how the implant was only supposed to remove her memory of the location. And Fitz wants to remove all memories of him and their life together. He, uh, Nathaniel exits Gemma's memories and leaves the room in a huff. On a huffy, which is cool. Um, no, hmm. Yeah. Uh, Gemma gets up and ungags Deke. Huffy puffy. Uh, uh, oh. That's where you smoke and ride a bike. Um, have a little huffy puffy. All right. Gemma gets up and ungags Deke. Uh, ungags was uh, flagged by my spell check is not a real word, and I think that's ridiculous. They ask if each other are okay, and then he says that he's guessing Nathaniel didn't find Fitz, and Gemma has no recollection of who that is. So he's sort of like our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny, actually. That's really, that's really good. <laughs> Thanks. May and Cora continue to talk about if Nathaniel can be trusted. May says that Nathaniel is using Cora, but then out of nowhere, Cora punches May in the face, asking if May isn't also using her pain. It looks like Cora has May on the ropes, but then all of a sudden, May is back in May mode. Cora launches a mm-hmm. fireball at May, but May matrixes out of the way. And then I put in parentheses the name that I, or what I used as my nickname, the, the Matrix. Matrix. Yeah. Yeah. And May's trick is the Matrix. Suddenly, mm. yeah. Um, suddenly, John Garrett appears and teleports Cora away. Coulson finds out what Sybil was looking for. It's a map of all the shield bases. He suddenly realizes that Nathaniel and his team didn't go to space to hide. Mac announces that he has a visual on the Zephyr. They're only a few minutes before they make contact, so Sousa and Daisy flirt a little while Mac smiles from the pilot's chair. There's a rumbling. Suddenly a wormhole opens and a bunch of Chronicom ships appear. They realize that Nathaniel went to space to call the Chronicom army for reinforcements. Nathaniel angrily walks onto the bridge of the Zephyr, gets called Sir by that same guy from before, and kills him. Then he addresses the Chronicom ships and tells them that they have their marks and they may fire at their leisure. The ships begin to fire. Coulson, Elena, and May watch in horror as shield bases start to disappear. It's kind of like Independence Day, but for shield. The movie, not the holiday. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the movie takes place on the holiday. It, it, but the... Then Nathaniel sees Cora. He walks up to her and thanks her for her help. She seems doubtful, but then he does a little sweet talking. Then they make out for a little bit, and that's it. (sighs) Colin, we've kind of been talking over the course of that synopsis about various things. Uh, Anything else that you want to talk about sort of in summation before I get to a couple of the weirder Avengers, one of the weirder Avengers ensembles that I've ever done? I just think that, like, okay. I think the writing is very good for this season. We've talked about that yeah. before. I will say, maybe it's because it's just sort of fully going for a lot of tropes in this particular episode. Yeah. Some of the writing just does feel technically weak in terms of plot here. I think this is a time when the Avengers Ensemble is going to really be very interesting, given what you've just said. Because, like... Yeah. It's weird, because, like... It's tough, right? Because again, I think that like the writers, I especially for season seven, I've got like full trust in. And again, I, it yeah. must just be that we're leaning into tropes, or we're just going. Listen, there's only so much time to wrap things up. Yes. We have we have to literally put them in the final stakes, and this is the only right. way. Like, right? Shit, sorry, about that. I just knocked something over. Um, this is the only way that we we can do that in a way that's yeah. going to make remotely any sense. But it's going to be a yeah. little nonsensical at the same time, you know. It's like an expedition exposition dump, but it's in the middle of the of the season, like or like towards. It's like we need to get from here to the finale, and we have two episodes to do it. Like it's like splitting all three of your acts into movies themselves. That would be a weird move to make, and I and I would I would uh, not make a hobby of it. Hobby of it. Hobbit, you know how the Hobbit, oh yeah, sorry, that, I, they did yeah. that specific thing. Yes, yeah. I was like, what are you going for? I did not get that. Okay, I got you yeah. now. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, but the, I okay. I agree with that. I'm not gonna cut cool. that. that. That's yeah, that's fine. True. I, that's I back it. The, yeah, 
Uh, no, but it's <clears throat> it's that's what it feels like. It feels like what we did was we had we had Act One, we had Act Two, and now we are literally starting Act Three. But in order to do Act Three, it's like well, we just did two movies, but they were like three years apart. So like you kind of need to get all your info, yeah, to get you caught back up, yeah, and then we can go. Yeah. It just feels like that. I mean, again, it's it's so interesting because it's like I feel like there's a lot of good writing in this episode. Yes, but then you have like again like. Okay, here's a good example of it. Why is the firewall attached to, like, Korra being able to knock out some power? Right. Good point. Because, like, the thing to me about the firewall is that, like, if the firewall is down, then surely the computers would also be down. (laughs) Like, why is it? Why is it that the firewall is not on the backup generator, but the rest of the places that doesn't make any sense that's not secure at all right the (laughs) fact that you can do a little mini nuclear bomb blast and just have someone fully hack your shit feels i don't know weird (laughs) Um, looks like cora blasted a plot hole into the end of that episode a little bit but then also the same thing with like Let's get into. Um, I want to talk about this a little bit more. Let's get into Avengers Ensemble, and we're gonna we're gonna get into something interesting. I think. Yes. Avengers Ensemble. Season seven, episode eleven, is called "Brand New Day," and it aired on August fifth, twenty twenty. It was directed by Keith Potter, who directed one episode of uh, one other episode of Agents of Shield and one episode of Agents of Shield Slingshot. It was written by Chris Freyer. This is his only writing credit, aside from two shorts that he wrote that one is not out yet and one is the other thing he has on his writing credits. He was the script coordinator for season six and season seven and all of Hellstrom. So it sort of feels like they knew, and you're going to see for episode 12, it's sort of something similar where it's like, Let's give it's like putting Rudy in in the last quarter where it's like, <laughs> let's give Chris a, a chance to write this this script. And, you know, I think for it being one of two or no one, you know, his only Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. script, it seems pretty great. Like, you know, he, he, he accomplished what he set out to do. I think that some a little bit it explains either why the script feels like that because it's his you know first time out or the writing staff knew that this was some like drudgery plot wise, these episodes. And this, so they gave it to, you know, you don't give the time loop episode to the new guy. You give the, it's we got to get him up into space sort of, sort of deal. Yeah. I'm also thinking like, and see, this is tough too, right? Because part of me is like, okay, but if he's a script supervisor and stuff like that, like, and, and all this other stuff and like, yeah, technically, all these other things like for previous episodes and stuff. There's also a strong possibility that he is technically a writer in the writer's room. Right. He is only on like kind of basically like the punch up stuff. Mm -hmm. Never like actually like, you know, the concept of like kind of like when, um, when Eric Martin was talking to us about what the Loki writer room was like and saying that technically all of their hands were on every single right. episode, but it's like yeah. the person who really took over for most of the story and who led the the, the largest direction and change and stuff like that of the episode was typically right. the one credited as such. Um, right. So, you know, it could be very much that. Like he could have always been a writer, maybe a writer's room, but never the writer. Sure. You know? I mean, yeah. I mean, I think that, I don't I don't think that any scripts are written entirely in the writer's room. So like if they were like you know, season 7 episode 11 uh Chris, you take you take writing of this so then Chris goes home and and writes a pass of the script and then they bring it back to the to the writer's room to to figure out like and finalize and stuff. Um so I just want to and that's mostly maybe just for me because it's not it's not like whoever happens to contribute the most gets the writing credit. It's like you right. get this one, like how we assign who's the host of our episodes. Right. Actually, it's very much like that. It's like, well, you're going to do the majority of this. And then 
the rest of us or just right. me will add in some stuff. To, yeah, but to like, be clear, yeah, when I say that, like, yeah. you know, the, that, that's, that's exactly what I mean. Like, it's the yeah, idea yeah. of, like, yeah. you know that you have, like, let's say six episodes left to write. So you yeah. you have six people in the room. So you're like, okay, we're each going right. to take one of these. Like, we're going to sign them out. Um, and then, like, you'll do, again, like, the majority. And then people will do the punch-ups or the same, the thing of, like, oh, we have to tweak this because this guy's yeah. technically not around or whatever. Right. Or he can't be physically in the same space because of right. a later callback or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah uh, there's all sorts of little things like that. But, like, there's someone who writes up the, the majority of the treatment, basically. Right. And, you know... Just for for a second, because I feel like I have been not ragging on, but like, I don't know, damning with faint praise, maybe a little bit for Chris Frere. I do want to remind the audience that my favorite single scene from the season, like the loop episode is my favorite episode, but mm-hmm. probably my favorite single scene is in this episode, which is the, you know, Colson and Sousa laughing about Quake and talking about that kind of stuff. That's a fantastic scene. And I the, 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 the lovely scene where they're like... Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Wait, what did you just say? Yeah, I think that that scene is just fantastically written. And, I agree. No, that yeah. that is a great scene. I mean, I think that the things that are great and yeah. do work for me are the things like you know the the, the takeoff, yeah. um, and like you know the the whole sort of space faring type situation. Yeah. Uh, the conversation um, between yeah. them, you know, uh, things yeah. like that. I feel like those are like the moments that I'm like really with. It's a lot of the stuff that happens in the bunker that I'm kind of like, Egh. yeah, yeah. Like, no matter where they are, whether they're talking to Cora, whether they're talking to each other, a lot of stuff there where I'm just like, not your strongest area, yeah. but like yeah. everything yeah. else gets handled. I think very, very perfectly. For sure. Um, okay, we got but, two yeah. actors: uh, Shepard, uh, who is the guy that says "sir" a first time, and then sir a second time and he gets his heart snapped his heart quaked but not in the way that's like aw but in the way that's like um is played by again yeah right exactly um it only occurred to me when i was uh when they discover his body in your episode and i was watching i was like oh i should go see if this guy is a thing (laughs) if he has a credit so he does. Uh, Christopher Charles plays him. Uh, the only thing that I saw was sort of remotely nerdy is he played a character named Patrick Choi. Uh, he did the voice of him in Call of Duty Black Ops 4. Um, so, yeah. Uh, a game where I would imagine he says sir a lot. So that's just... <laughs> and then mm-hmm. probably dies. I don't know. Listen, I've never played the game. Um, it may be that he was perfect for the role of Shepard. Uh, and then Kimball is played by Katie M. O'Brien. She is known as the one that doesn't say sir. She's the one that he like he keeps saying don't say sir and she keeps being there being like absolutely. And like he's like do you want to do you want to raise um yeah, she is there. Uh, she's played by Katie M. O'Brien. This woman has been in 7 episodes of The Mandalorian. Uh hmm. she played Gentora in Ant-Man 3. She was one of the rebels. She was like, okay, yeah, the that like really tough lady rebel. That was her. And I was like, oh, yeah. Uh, All the she cooking. Was a, yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. One like, episode. God, of the, that last name sounds so familiar for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. O'Brien. No. Oh, wasn't it Gimble? Wait, who did you? Kimball. Kimball is sorry. played by Katie O'Brien. Katie M. O'Brien. Okay. Weird. Okay. Because okay, here's the weird thing. I was clicking. I was latching on to Kimball, but to me, Kimball was a name that I feel like I've heard recently somewhere uh-huh. else. So in my head, Kimball was, was part of her name. So hmm. that's interesting. So I, yeah. I must have watched something else that also had Kimball in it right. recently because the minute you said that, I, I stopped listening for like about five seconds because I, I went, Kimball, 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 huh? Yeah. I was, I was like racking my brain real quick for Kimball and I was like, it's not, not connecting, but I've heard right. that recently. Although what would be funny is if it, if it literally it's from the fact that like about six hours ago I watched these scenes. Well, and in your episode, which you would have taken notes on, he says, "Kimball, do you want a, a promotion?" And she says, "Absolutely." Uh, yep. You know, again, so sometimes the brain is weird. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it's content brain, but also for my notes because I go, I've right. heard it recently, and then I'm gonna get to my notes and like, and then then Kimball, that was no. a person. Oh wait, <laughs> there she for, is. For this wait, show. oh, man. yeah, damn it. <laughs> Damn, uh, she was in one episode of The Rookie, one episode of Westworld, 13 episodes of Z Nation. And speaking of Z Nation, uh, she was in two episodes of The Walking Dead. And she was in the movie Power Rangers Zenith. 
lot of Z's. A lot of Z's. A lot of Z's. But not her performance, which doesn't give a lot of Z's because it's exciting. Like not Aziz Ansari. Not Aziz. I'm sorry for having said that. Um, God, he should. Right. Are we still mad at him? Is he still not? He's not uncanceled. Whatever. I don't know. I. He, yeah. What's interesting is that I kind of feel like he may have just been like, "Listen, I've got enough money. I'm just going to lay low for a bit." Because, like, I yeah. Anyway, we don't need to get into Aziz Ansari, yeah, yeah. but I think. Well, never mind. I think he probably could come back and it'll be fine. The the, uh, the discourse about what happened with his whole thing, I think eventually turned into he was kind of just being an idiot and not yeah. doing anything like predatory. Anyways, anyways, that's that's completely completely aside. So now here's a weird thing that I've never done on Avengers Ensemble before. I have information about another episode of this television program which we haven't talked about before, but it's not the next episode. It's the one after that. So we'll get information about season seven, episode 12 next episode, but here's information about season seven, episode 13, which is the series finale of uh, Avengers uh, agents of shield. Um, It is called what we're fighting for. It aired Mm -hmm. on uh, August 12th, 2020 along with season seven, episode 12. Uh, it was directed by Kevin Tancheron, uh, one of the, the, I think the husband. I think we've established him yeah, as the we've husband. About this, yeah. He directed season seven, episode one. He's directed right. other things. Uh, I think I found an update. I would have to check, you know, when we published various things. But I think the the book of Boba Fett came out after we talked about him. So he he directed one episode of the book of Boba Fett. Oh, cool. Um, cool. and uh, it was written by Jed Whedon. And now no update for for Jed Whedon. Um. I wanted to say something though that like I think it's really interesting that like you know Chris Freyer gets this and this is his first and only episode of Agents of Shield and whatever for the you know third to last but the series finale gets written you know gets written up by Jed Whedon and the creator of the show you know like right it's you know it makes sense but like it's sort of like okay so we know you know Michael Jordan gets to close the game, even if you let Rudy play. That's a weird mixed sports metaphor, and um, also, I stand by it. what fucking sport are they playing together? Exactly, you know I mean? yeah, golf. Um, so, yeah, so I mean, and what's really weird is that there's you know it's nine seconds of a uh, of another episode, so I don't have much more. I am going to hold off on the actor who plays Fitz and talking about that guy. Uh, until we meet him in more than just sort of a dimly remembered memory, because he does appear right in this yeah. episode, but, but it's not like in full, really. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I want to actually yeah. meet him and have him. You know, we'll, we'll get we'll get there. We're gonna we're gonna meet um, Fitz uh, because it's also at it's, some at some point. I don't know how to say this, but like, I think the other issue is just simply that he's not he's not a perf. Mm, it's like an imperfect image of Fitz. Yeah, I think yeah. it's maybe the only way to say that. Sure. Uh, so yeah, we're so uh, Fitz appears in this, and he's the guy that you don't know. Uh, that if there's someone you're you're watching along, and you're like, "Huh, that guy seems important." They didn't talk about him. We're getting there. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, but that is going to do it for all that I have. Colin, did you have any other notes or did you do a Nate Men of History? It's sort of a long episode, I can totally imagine. No, I typically not. only do them after the episodes where I've been taking notes and he's been making me more and more mad. Sure. Because like, there's there's a difference between watching something and just watching it to know that like what points I'm going to have to talk about. But, like When yeah. I'm taking you know notes on stuff, I go... Right. Notes yeah. leads to Nate's. That's what I always say. Yeah. That's a good point. Because yeah, they have very a lot of the same letters. Yeah. Anyways, do you want to uh, do a controlled burn and uh, and take us out of this uh, this episode and conserve some oxygen? Yeah, sure. Um, thanks, everyone, for joining us. Uh, as always, uh, I'm Colin Parker. And I'm James Anderson. And she, she goes by Quake. <laughs> <laughs>